Baby, you're all that I want. When you're lying here in my arms, my arms. Okay, so guys, <laughs> I had to sing it because I am so excited for you to hear this, and that's the song that I sing when I'm excited and I'm happy. I don't know what kind of struggle you're going through. I don't know what the situation may be, but you serve a mighty God. That's my voice. <laughs> What's up, guys? How's everybody doing this fine week? Um, we have a special guest today, somebody who has been a part of my life. And I always say everybody's special because we love everybody who comes out here. But this person I have known, again, for a pretty long time um, since college. And at a time when I was going through a lot, just transitioning from being in college for the first time, really um, getting to know people, getting involved. I got involved in multicultural club. I got involved in um, student government, and I met this person who was in, who a mutual friend introduced us at the time, and we talked for like a long time on a stairwell in the admissions <laughs> building, and talked about how we were going to run the college. <laughs> through Multicultural Club and Student Government. So I want to leave it to you to introduce yourself and tell us how you're doing in this time. Hey, everybody. Uh, my name is Noelle. Uh, I am one, again, like Juji said, that, oh, and I'm calling Julian Juji because that's what I've called him. Good, DJ Juji. <laughs> no, I love it. I love it. That's my oh, name. Sorry. So for all those professional people this is Gigi to me but um and Catherine lovely you and <laughs> I'm so excited to talk with y'all yeah I've known Julian since my first my freshman year mm -hmm. yes of college and I totally remember that conversation it was such um a conversation where we saw we went to a predominantly white institution mm -hmm. and we as people of color saw the importance of leadership, like uh, people of color in leadership, mm -hmm. and also just navigating that. I think that was just uh, college in general, especially in that space, in that small Christian college. Yeah. It was really transformational like Definitely. for for us because it was time to like, okay, now you need to identify what your skills are and not only like know those skills, but also lead people. And just to be thinking like I was like 18, <laughs> thought I <was> <laughs> thought I knew what I was talking about, but I mean, it I was know. definitely, yeah, that was, um, a, like, um, yeah, we talked a lot about just, like, we have the power to change mm. this place, and, and so that's what, yeah, so I'm super grateful for that, because I really feel like that um, was a catalyst for a lot of the, like, work we did at the school. Yeah, so. definitely. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, we did a lot. We, you know, I went on to, you know, get into the student government side, and then you yeah. went on to lead the Black Student Union, and man, yeah. like, you, I think when you took it over, like, it was just never the same from there in such a yeah. positive and amazing way. Like, it just kept getting better and better and yeah. growing, and people were getting uh, noticing more and asking questions, and yeah. you, you did an amazing job with that whole organization. Yeah, thanks. Yeah, a lot of great leaders. Um, yeah, yeah. Were, like, they came out of hiding. Yeah, right. I'm talking <laughs> it, about Christian. Hopefully yeah. he listened to that. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Christian, yeah. man, I mean, you you opened the door for a lot of people to finally feel like mm -hmm. they had that voice. And that's what it's yeah. about. A hundred percent. So and it carries over now to like uh, and now we go to church together. Mm -hmm. 
and we do a lot of work in our church. And um, so that's even good how like the leadership just continues to evolve and transform. Yeah. So I'm super grateful for that. Um, and, and now I'm a medical social worker at a children's hospital um, in Chicago. Nice. And so I've been there for um, over a year, a little over a year. Mm-hmm. And I work in the emergency department. So I do a lot of work in the area of child abuse. And mm. so it's been um, a good role. I mean, there's a lot of shifting during this pandemic. Unfortunately, child abuse is still relevant yeah. and prevalent um, during this time, especially if you think a lot of mandated reporters who don't, who don't know, like if you see harm done to a kid, we, you report it to DCFS mm-hmm. and things, but schools are being shut down. So there's a lot of reports not being made and, and so just like, you know, dealing with that population during this time, because there's a lot of children stuck at home with um, abusers as well. Yeah. So there's just like, there's so many things that are going on, um, but definitely have been able to evolve during this time as, you know, I worked through it because I work for a hospital. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't really, there's not much that has changed. Yeah. Um, in terms of me working, I'm, I don't have the luxury of working from home. Mm. Um, but I'm so sorry about that. <laughs> I'm just, I am. I am sorry about that. But also, I'm like, I love working from home. So, yeah, I like I like, you know, what? I'm not a work from home person. I'm more like I like to go somewhere. Yeah. I'm a. I'm big on like events, have fun, seeing people. And so I'm like, <laughs> my work was like a little like, okay, like, and in the hospital, they still had a Starbucks running. So I was like, oh, okay, wow. but I get to work. <laughs> I can just have Starbucks. Simple so pleasures. Yeah. So just so like being able to evolve during this time has been, um, even emotionally and just like involved in how I'm like showing love to my family members and, just being more mindful of safety yeah. and things. Um, it's just been a lot of learning. And of course I'm like saying this is in a positive light, but there's definitely been a lot of tears as well as like grieved, like how my life was mm. um, before and how much I loved it. And then to have a lot of the things that brought me joy, like yeah. taken away was hard. I mean, I love a good dance class. Mm, I love yep. like, mm-hmm. you already know. And I love all that stuff. <laughs> And I wasn't able to do it. So I'm like, that is, or just hanging freely, having the freedom to see people at church. Like, mm-hmm. again, going to church is such a big portion of my life and being able to see people and have yeah. brunch with people. And mm-hmm. like all of that was gone. And I was like, what is mm-hmm. going on? Like, who, who am I without these things? Wow. And mm-hmm. so that's been like a nice lesson that I'm still learning. So, mm-hmm. yeah, so that's yeah. kind of where I'm at. Noelle, do you know your Enneagram number? Yes, I do. <laughs> and by the way, I just answered that. You know, I'm a seven. Mm, that's why I was like, Catherine, you ask her what it is. So what what I usually do when we when we ask people who know it, who know what their thing is, I'll ask them a couple questions around that. Just little icebreakers. Oh, oh goodness. OK. So that way the see, I know you, but we want the we want the listeners to know you a little bit more. Um, so obviously, I mean, you just said it. You're the you're the busy variety seeking type. So for people who don't know what the Enneagram is or the numbers, the number seven is the enthusiast Mm -hmm. and everybody wants to be a seven. I want to be a seven. (laughs) (laughs) And if you think you're a seven, you're probably not. Um, But yeah, no, that's awesome. It talks. So I'm going to name off um, some of the things and then you just tell me 
if it's true and then like what about it um pertains to you just you as oh. noel okay yeah cool. so spontaneous so how are you spontaneous oh man um i'm definitely that person like someone could call me at 10 o'clock like oh there's a midnight showing to this movie that you've never heard of but oh my gosh yeah totally i'm down yep we're doing it right now i already have my shoes on like i love spontaneous things i love mm-hmm. plans being changed and like you know if we go out to dinner then like oh my friend's having something you want to come oh yep i'm there like i i love the creativity of mm. like being spontaneous yeah um it brings me so much joy like even mm. talking about it, i'm just like yeah Mm -hmm. (laughs) let's do do something that we didn't think we were going to do and how we're doing it so yes totally spontaneous that's good and then the other one the other two good ones because i'm noticing like a theme when i'm reading these off of the site it gives you like three good ones and then one that's that's like the negative side of it if it if we if it is Um, negative but so versatile and acquisitive mm -hmm. inquisitive acquisitive Oh, like I think you acquire maybe I don't know somebody with with that we'll leave that one off so versatile (laughs) (laughs) we gotta go back to middle school (laughs) I'm gonna look it up though (laughs) I'm like look I'm smart but I ain't that smart acquisitive is interested in acquiring you know material things or money and things like that or experiences experiences, I would think for a seven for a seven we'll we'll keep it experiences um so yeah, I definitely um, think I'm a versatile person. Mm. I think, again, as a person of color mm-hmm. and when you're educated and like when you get an education, you kind of have to like go between a lot of different circles, yeah. like your cultural identity, your you know um, your work professional identity, and like so there's a there's a level of versatility that's cultivated with that Mm. and so I definitely think that that's helped me a lot just like growing up and having to be able to exist in various situations and kind of like not necessarily I don't believe in like um, assimilating but just how who am I in this space and I'm I'm still going to be myself but like I look like how do I maneuver it Um, and I just love love thanks thank you thank you very much um, and I also just love, um, yeah, doing different things. I, I don't like to have to be like just one thing. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I love to be a dancer, but also I love to read books. I like, I, I don't like to, um, cage myself into one yeah. thing. Oh, that's great. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. great. And then the last one is, I think <laughs> oh. the, the one where maybe you can just break it down a little bit us, to us, but it, the last word is scattered. Does that pertain to you? Ooh, oh my goodness. Well, you'll have to see in this interview. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will prove that to you. Um, <laughs> I I was just talking um, about this, but like even in my, the way I think, like uh, it's more scattered sometimes. Like I, I'm talking, you know, and a lot of people do this, but this is how I'm identifying as scattered is like, one thing well I'll be talking about one thing but it'll lead to something else and then I'll jump on that train and forget what mm-hmm. I was thinking and the other one I'm just like okay well <laughs> bye like that thought's gone now so we're just gonna I'm so sometimes I'm scattered and I definitely what helps with that is that um especially like you said Catherine like um seventh love experiences mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm a big experienced person I love and that comes also with spontaneity but like um I have a calendar 
um, I have a I have a planner and I have a calendar specifically because I was told that I needed both things mm. because <laughs> I am very like so I'm so experience driven that sometimes I forget that I committed to a bunch of different things and they could all be on the same day or in the same yeah. week and so I just have to make sure that I write everything down and it makes me look like I'm type A but I'm <laughs> really not. So mm. I don't forget. Mm. Well, when you in, when you are in the stress, well, I don't know if it's for you because I know people have maybe a different wing, but it says for the yeah. stress for a seven goes to a one, which is mm-hmm. the uh, achiever. No, no, no. no that the is perfectionist. 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 The perfectionist. Yeah, very just like black and white. This is how things should be. Mm-hmm. This is how, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, try dating a one and you'll, mm. you'll figure out a lot about that. <laughs> um, and so, Noel, that's... with a job that is so that's so heavy and can be so um just emotionally draining just kind of talk about how those two things relate to each other if they do for you oh wow yeah that's a great question um I think specifically me and my role and working in the emergency department a way that unfortunately and I hate to say this because this is not necessarily a positive of the work. Mm-hmm. This is just something that comes with it. Mm-hmm. But every day is a new case. Every mm-hmm. day is something new. There's not one thing that's the same, even mm-hmm. if it's a child who, if it's a, a toddler, not even a toddler, but a, a baby that, you know, is injured. It can be injured in so many different ways. And on top of that, the story could be so different um, for how the baby was injured. There's nothing, there's not one case I've ever done that has been the same. And so I think in that way, there's like a level of like, Hmm, how am I going to figure this out? How Mm. am I going to help this family? How do I, I, there's so many things, transportation, how did they get here? Mm. How are they going to get home? Like there's just always a high level of intensity that's going on. And I know that's not necessarily humanitarian, but there's a level of like, the seven in me is always stimulated. Yeah. Like there's always something going on. Wow. There's always something that I have to be thinking about. Like one time I had a case where the grandmother in the middle of our interview on the child abuse assessment, she, um, she looks at me and says, Oh, you look, you look so familiar. She had completely blanked out mm. during our interview because she was so overwhelmed by the news mm. of what had happened to her grandchild mm. that she went into this state where she was unaware of who I was after I had just talked to her for an hour. Wow. Like, and, and so, so exactly. So then she ended up getting admitted to the mm. hospital. Um, and so that's what I'm saying. It's always something new. Wow. There's always mm. something that I have to always be on my toes. Um, about and so I think that's in a way like it's hard work it's deep work but there's a lot of like you're using a lot of your mental capacity you're using a lot of your you're you're, you're always trying to help in some way so I think that helps me a lot mm-hmm. I don't know. yeah and I know I mean I'm in school for mental health counseling and so it's you know it's mm-hmm. kind of it's it's that that work of sitting in someone's pain with them is yeah you know, it does take, it's, it's hard for you too, because you're, you know, you're not just, you know, you're not just sitting there like not experiencing it with them. And that's, I think why some people are drawn to that work is because they know that that's a gift that they have is to be able to, to Mm -hmm. go there. 
So yeah. how, how do you take care of yourself? Like mm-hmm. after yeah. a really hard day, like what, I and I know like too. self-care is such like, it's such a buzzword. And sometimes it's, yeah. you know, it's like, oh yeah, I go home and I like, I take baths or whatever, but like, you know, it's, it's, uh, it can be that, but it can be also something much more. So what do you do for yourself when you have a hard day at work? Yeah, I think, um, the biggest thing I allow myself to do is like, because the work is, I, I see it often, it's reality, you know, and I, I let mm-hmm. myself look at it as reality. Yeah. Um, and, and so that kind of helps me not necessarily cope, but it's just these things happen. Things, death happens. Like these are things that are happening in the world. It's the part of life. It's the part of, you know, sin and all the things that um, God is trying to mm-hmm. rescue us from. Um, and so these are, these are the things that happen. And, and so I don't necessarily, I'm not like a bubble bath or like, <laughs> or, but I'm definitely someone who, watches a good movie or eats ice cream or you know does something that like talking to people who aren't in those situations so Mm -hmm. talking to my friends Mm -hmm. and family not about the case but about what's going on in their life and kind of reminding myself that there is good things and that's why I need to embrace them Mm. and seek them out and make them a part of my life because if you're always in this like happy land you never realize that like happiness and joy and all the things that are the fruit of the spirit as well, like our gifts that not everyone is experiencing that. And so that's why it's just like when I have those hard times it's about filling myself up with those things um, so that I can continue like to do the work. So it just looks different. It depends on maybe it's going for a walk and crying like crazy and just being like, Ooh, that was deep. Mm. All right. Now like, let's keep, let's keep going and moving forward. And how are you going to fill yourself? Mm. like moving forward so that mm. my faith definitely is a big part of that yeah. is having that mm-hmm. that's good that's real good thank you for sharing that you know when you brought this topic to us uh mm-hmm. i was just like man like even me and Catherine were just like yes that's yes that is awesome because i think it goes you know both <laughs> for what you're going to talk about and for like the male side as well too and we'll get into that but what's yeah. uh what around that have you been walking in you like explain to us that topic and then how you feel like you've fallen short in it. Yeah. So the topic that I was thinking about was particularly female friendships and over my life, mm. they have evolved so much. I, and of course it, it correlates with your emotional, it's my emotional maturity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, and I, and I think I'm making sure I use I statements because the clinician <laughs> in me wants to be generalized. Like, Oh, everybody experiences yeah. this. But it's and it like could be. It could be. Yeah. And and I'm just like, this is the moment where I need to take ownership that, like, in my life, in my experiences, particularly friendships with other women mm-hmm. has been tumultuous. Like, it has been, you know, a lot of humbling experiences, but also just a lot of people, a lot of my female friends, and I have parted ways and not always in the best way. Mm. Um, and so I was just like thinking about like, what is something that'll really, that's not at the forefront of my mind all the time. Mm. Um, but that'll make me stretch myself and get yeah. uncomfortable and be like, this isn't something that I talk about um, at all, actually. <laughs> and so how, <laughs> so I was like, oh, I just move past it. But because, um, uh, again, as a seven, we avoid pain. And so mm-hmm. that's also one of our wonderful traits. 
But well, um, yeah, well, I'm ready to dig in. Look, I, I'm gonna see if yeah. you can hear my knuckles crack because I'm ready. <laughs> I'm ready to go. <laughs> I'm ready too. I hope you heard that. <laughs> yeah, and I'm so grateful you guys are open to talking about it and even passing like us as like two different races and women mm. in our races kind of yeah. have a history of being historically being against one another and i was mm-hmm. just like let me just let's just get up in this and clear <laughs> yeah. some things up, but also like release some things because some things I, it's not like i'm coming from a what was me perspective but i'm coming from a like sometimes and post most times depending on what age i was i was wrong mm. i was wrong and i did not handle every disagreement or every like um, every friendship well mm. and I know it comes with growth but like that's something that should be addressed and something that I want to talk about yeah. so mm-hmm. letting me do this exciting yeah definitely so I'll start off with the first uh, so now that we know kind of where you fall in short like I'll start off with the first question here um, what like why do you feel that way why do you feel like you were wrong what do you where do you feel like you could have been better Wow. Yeah. I think there's so many stories that I think about. I think um, just because of where I was emotionally, one as a younger child, but like Mm. in my high school and college um, ages, um, I wasn't, the way I coped with things was avoidance. So I, if something was a conflict, instead of being like, oh, let's talk it out. I'm so sorry. Let's hug it out. This is where I was wrong. This is where you was wrong. I was like, I'm going to throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. That's not a good mm. visual for some people. But I'm just going to be done with this situation completely. And I'm walking away. And I'm going to act like you never existed. And I'm oh. just going to keep moving forward with mm. my life. So, <laughs> out of sight, out of mind, huh? Out of sight, out of mind. And, and, and as you're, you're coping, I was coping but I didn't realize how painful that could be with people Mm. who are deep into emotional connections, Mm -hmm. who are deep into who I was a valuable friend in their life. But because I was just like, I don't know how to handle conflict. I also don't want to deal with myself or deal with this anymore. I'm just going to walk away and never talk to you again. And even if you reach out to me, Mm. like I'm going to act like you don't do this. (laughs) Like it's so like, you know Gigi we laugh at stuff but like at the end of the day it's like terrible yeah it is and yeah no I I I I totally feel that because like I told you like I I deal with the same thing I think on my side I have I think a lot of my life and I was wrong too I was a like the crash and burn type like hey this is what's going on here this is whatever we're not talking like I'm just gonna write it until I'm I'm done and it's no more and you won't ever hear from me again and that could be with anybody but you know like that's how I describe myself is just I crash and burn just go the friendship's over that's it I move on forget you Mm. and and ever knowing you you, you know <laughs> dang yeah so watch no, out, girl. For real. See, see, bro. girl you was fine he, he no one's gonna let him do that to you. He, he's, he's evolving. we're growing but it's, it's the truth and it's a and it's a coping mechanism that yes. i created from when i was you know i gotta get to the mental health side mm. like 
when I was younger, this all again comes from when you're younger and if you face disappointment or, and I laugh with my mother about this, like when I was younger, I was so open to being friends with everybody. Mm. I was that person who just loved people. And I was like, oh, be friends with me do this but I also wasn't the person getting invited to the sleepovers I also wasn't the person like who people I didn't really have like a friend group I would kind of bounce from group to Mm. group but I didn't have a friend group that was like mine and I felt belonging there Mm. and so I was just like I found as a coping coping mechanism to like the disappointment of people like one time again this is silly but like it's happened to a lot of people when I was like in middle school these girls were having this one girl I was cool with she was having a birthday party and she said that only five people could come to it and I was not one of the five people but then one person dropped out she couldn't make it and so they were like well I guess Noelle you can come Mm -hmm. you know and I was so excited. I told my mom, I said, yes, like I get to go. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. Like I want to go. I've been wanting to go. I can't believe it. I wanted to get in my initially. And I didn't. And my mother said to me, don't you ever, because mm. I got a black mama, mm. don't you ever invite yourself anywhere. Mm. If people don't want you there, like don't invite yourself there. Don't beg for people to be friends with you. Mm. And I was like, I was like, mom, what do you mean? Because I was, she's like, I almost don't want you to go because they didn't invite you in the first place. And my mom is very like hardcore about like, because of her experiences, value yourself. Mm. And so there's a level of like having those moments with people where I was not, I was, you know, second string friend. Mm. It wasn't a friend. I think over time I was just like, you got to just cope with, it's okay to be alone. Like, how do Mm. you find a way? hope with being by yourself because people are going to come and go and people will come and go Mm. and so like how do you sustain who you are as people come and go but sometimes you just adopt unhealthy like I did adopt adopt an unhealthy coping way of doing Mm. that and that ended up hurting people in the long run yeah and you know it's funny about these these coping mechanisms that we that we start when we are you know in middle school or high school and you know, I love that you that you gave that example because those memories really stick with you. Like I I have the same thing. I remember in middle school like I was a group of, you know, one two other girls and I remember like they would, you know, they would three-way call me but one would be silent on the other line and like try to, you know, just like little things like that. How cruel girls can be, but those things really do stick with you. And when you when you develop those coping mechanisms, it's like you you do them because they work. But then over time, they 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 do start to hurt you, and they start to hurt other people around yeah. you. Yeah, yeah, and it it starts from a place, though. You know, I like that. I think that's where you give yourself grace. Is like mm-hmm. these coping mechanisms came as a way of my survival mm-hmm. because even if you think about children nowadays, like harming themselves or committing suicide, or that that happens in junior high. Those that happens during those ages because sometimes they can't see the future at that developmental stage. And so they're like, this is all I have. Like, these are the people are bullying me or this is, I don't feel like I belong here. And so I'm just like, some people just form in that way. And oh my gosh, the the tragic three-way call, like that even just 
sparking something in me. I'm like, that is such a thing when we didn't have our cell phones. It's like calling people and being like, I'm about to go off on her. Like, mean girls, mm-hmm. I'm going to call her and you yes. be quiet and not say anything, but we're going to laugh about this once I hang up. Like, it's, it's some people are extremely scarred from that. Mm-hmm. And I definitely just took the other route and was just like, well, peace like mm-hmm. nobody's gonna matter you know wow mm. wow so you didn't even allow yourself to even be a, a, in that and experience that almost you know you kind of like left before it got to those points exactly yeah a lot and, that, and that's kind of like where I feel bad about like high school and again I do ha- it's, it's weird that people are so complex because I have such an open personality and like very like hey like what's up like let's mm-hmm. hang let's do this. Oh, I love this. Oh, I can get along with a lot of different people. But the moment I felt like things were not going my way or like, I felt like you were being shady or something. I'd be like, bye. Wow. Goodbye. Like, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, I'm not going to subject myself to feeling pain or embarrassed. Mm -hmm. So do do you think that that's where, like, do you think that conversation with your mom is what put you on alert for all this? Like, do you, oh, like, yeah. does it stem from that? Like the way you would think about everything? Yeah, that was one of many conversations with mm. um, my, my mother, um, because she, and again, I, when I, I was an only child up until I was 11. Oh. oh, wow. And so like my sister, yeah, she's 11 years younger than me. And so being an only child too, navigating spaces and families as an only child, because when you're when you have siblings, you kind of have built-in friends. Mm. Y'all always get along? No. But you have a built-in social group. Exactly. You, you know, if you're you're privileged to have that type of dynamic with them. But um, I, I didn't. I My sister was so young, mm. and I was kind of navigating a lot of social situations by myself. Yeah. Um, and so she would have to encourage me to be like, because, again, I was such a sensitive and thank God for healing because I'm definitely becoming more of who I used to be now. Mm. Um, but I was just so sensitive and she knew that about me and she knew that like that things would hurt me deeply because mm. I really wanted everyone wants to belong somewhere. Yeah, and yeah. so I was very like, I will, you know, I'll even like, I'll do whatever I need to, to be somebody's friend. I'll do whatever I need to. And she's like, no, you won't. Mm. Some people are not meant to be your friend. And wow. does that stop? Does that hurt? And I'm just like, yeah, this hurts really <laughs> bad. <laughs> but now I'm like, thank God that you told me that because some people get really taken advantage of mm-hmm. at a younger age doing to just trusting so openly, you know? So yeah. yeah. Do you feel like there was a moment or a particular friendship that really showed you that the way that you were kind of going about it was hurtful and that you wanted to start making a shift? Ooh. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness gracious. Like I I can't, I can't tell y'all how many of them. Um, (laughs) Not that like I wanted to turn around, but that like some of them I'm not cool with anymore. It's so sad. And like, Mm -hmm. I hope if they ever listen to this, that like they know that I'm, I feel so bad, mm. um, but they, and not because I cursed them out or anything crazy, but like just because I was like, I'm not going to deal with you. But yeah. I'm thinking particularly of one of my friends now, my friend um, Jasa. Um, 
her and I have been friends since high school, since I was like a junior in high school. And so we're still friends up to this point. And friends meaning like we talk on the regular, we see each other, we hang out, we know what's going on in each other's life, friends. And mm-hmm. she's a really good friend of mine. And she, we go to church, we've gone to church together. Mm-hmm. We've just seen each other mature. Um, but there were countless times where her and I would fall out, whether it's over like a dude or just like <laughs> miscommunication. And I think her and I stopped talking one time and it was like, we stopped talking. And there was a, just a moment where we like apologized to one another. We mm-hmm. found like, it was just like, what's the point? Cause we would be in the same space with one another and wouldn't speak to one another. And so we were just like, she is someone that I could say from high school to now that like we've had our ups and downs, but we've always come back to the reasoning of like, we're good people. We just have a lot of things that, you know, we have miscommunication. We were growing up, we were maturing. Um, so I definitely think she's one of the people who, at least in terms of history that like can show our maturity and growth yeah. in our friendship and and even I'm thinking about Amy and Bianca from college, you know, them juju, mm, like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like, uh, having those them as friends, Bianca and I started off really cool. We didn't really know each other well, but we got closer because we were both social workers, yeah. but Amy and I's friendship started off like bad. Well, yeah. not bad, but just like, it was, she had thought I was liking on her guy mm. and, <laughs> and then she ended up hating me and I hated her because she didn't <laughs> like me. And so we just had this whole like few months where we um, didn't talk in, uh, in college. And then Bianca was like, actually, why aren't you in a well friends? Like a year later, why aren't you no well friends? You have a lot in common. And Amy and I were like, huh? No, mm-hmm. we don't. Um, and now like years later, I was in her wedding. Wow. So, you know, there's like so many things that like, it might have started off bad or started off as a miscommunication that mm-hmm. I really still um it just takes a lot of humbling. It's yeah. so humbling to come back to somebody and be like, Yeah, I'm sorry, I treated you bogus, I treated you wrong. Like it's definitely a Holy Spirit intervention in my opinion. Mm-hmm. No, that's good. And what is the hardest thing for you about about I guess like getting there, you know, like what how what is the hardest thing for you about humbling yourself to get there? Mm. It's, 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 I guess vulnerability in general is hard, mm-hmm. um, but humbling myself to say I treated, it's hard to go back and be like, I did something wrong. Mm-hmm. Like I, and not only did I did do something wrong, but I did something that hurt you. Um, mm-hmm. and that's, that's in any scenario, it's hard to be like, what I did, whether it's what I said or what I physically did, mm. it hurt you. And it was something that like may I may have not known that it hurt you, but like I I have to own it. Mm-hmm. And it's hard to own that you did something wrong. Mm. Like even as children you don't wanna you don't want to admit you did something wrong, but to be like an adult and be like, actually the way I handled that was really messed up. Like it was bogus and like I don't even know what to say. And then also offer yourself up as a sacrifice of like, whether they're going to accept it or not. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Cause it's because you humble yourself to somebody and say you're wrong. Doesn't mean they're going to respond the way you want them to respond. Mm-hmm. Wow. I think, I think it's a whole scenario of like, you might have an expectation that might not work out or you just have to like 
humbling doesn't feel good. And, mm. and thankfully the Bible talks a lot about humbling, yeah. but like humbling is not like, Oh yeah, I'm going to be so humble in this moment. It's like, no, like <laughs> you're going to have to die to your flesh and mm. die to what you thought was right. And now you have to go back and say that actually you were wrong. Wow. So yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. 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 And what is like the damaging thought that comes up for you in those kind of moments where you're kind of like, what do you have to die to in those moments? Yeah. Dying to the fear of rejection, mm-hmm. like dying to, um, the, cause again, there's like in me and I feel like Judy talked about this in like the first podcast, like this idea of wanting to be like, perfect Mm -hmm. or just all also this element of like i've heard this new term recently impression management Mm. you want to manage the impression that you're giving towards people and so like the damaging thought that i have is just that like oh i'm gonna have to look like i'm not gonna look like i have it all together Mm. like you're you're not perfect you don't have it all together and this is in this moment, you have to admit that in this moment, you have to admit that like you don't know it all. And I guess in in my mind, I'm always trying to just like hold it together, have it together, do my best. But like when you have to hum, when I have to humble myself, it's just like I don't have it all together. And also I'm like, I'm scared that I'm going to get rejected. Mm-hmm. You know, again, mm-hmm. it goes back to childhood. You don't want to feel rejected. Yeah. So. So yeah. what is what is the the biggest thing that uh you know is the difference between you having a male friendship you know with another male or you having a, a female friendship like what is the dividing factor in that like why is it so hard for females to be friends with other females Oh wow that's a good question I know I, think- I know right <laughs> <laughs> I'm like hold on that's pretty good mm, I'm getting better <laughs> So if we're thinking of, if I'm thinking about my male friendship um, versus my female friendship, obviously with male, male friendships have their own complications, especially if you want it to be platonic. Mm. Um, so a, a platonic male friendship, I mean, it's not like you're in competition with one another unless you have that dynamic, unless you're in the same profession or something. Yeah. But a lot of the things we're not pinned against each other. We're pinned towards each other. Mm. You do want a partner like with a guy, like you want to be married. Like a lot of, there's a lot of goodness around being with a male or like, you know, having that connection with the male. It's yeah. a different perspective on life. Um, it's also just like male and women again in society, people glorify them being together friendships in that area. Like it, it's male and female dynamics are more praised i feel mm-hmm. where female if you just think about which i was thinking about today too is like social media mm-hmm. if you think about um reality tv shows that people just gobble up like a turkey on thanksgiving <laughs> um like if you think about all those things drama mm-hmm. is the, drama is the core competition is the biggest thing like mm-hmm. between like, oh, you think you're all back, girl? You think, because what? We're we're in the same quote-unquote race. Because mm. whether it's for a guy, whether it's for a job, whether it's for looks, like, we're technically in the same race because we're both women. Mm. And so 
both be compared to one another in some way um, because of just the species that we are. And so as as far as males, you don't necessarily have that like foundational comparison. You know, we already know we're different, Mm -hmm. but as women, you're trying to prove that you're different than this other one, Mm -hmm. you know? Yes. I, I love that you said that. And, you know, going back to the Enneagram as a four, I, I struggle with envy and I can Mm. think of three very particular points in my life where, and there are three different friendships in high school, college, and after college. And they're all three women. And the thing that was so that would drive me against them was envy and also that competition, the competition that comes from envy and seeing like, well, why, why are people liking them and what's wrong with me? And then it, then it does. You're right. I love that you said, um, that, that when you're in a friendship with a male, that that's, you go towards each other, but with women, you really do, you go against each other. And I, I, yeah, that's, that's hard. Mm, Yeah. Yeah, it is scary. It's like we are naturally paired against one another and people, whether that's, I mean, there's so just think about all the scenarios, whether it's for a man, like, oh, I'm trying to get his attention. Like you're, you know, like it's just always this back and forth. It's Mm -hmm. always just like when another woman walks in the room, sometimes I instantly compare myself to her. Wow. Like, oh, her hair is different than mine. Like, is my hair long enough? Is my body thin enough? Or am I, is this, is this booty, my booty big enough? Like, you <laughs> That's know okay. I mean? I, you know, I don't know. Like, Sorry, listeners. But like, <laughs> you know I mean? like, but you just instantly, it's almost subconscious yeah. that you compare yourself. And sometimes people do it. But when a man walks in, I'm not comparing myself to him. I'm trying to see, well, well, not right now, this moment in my life, but before, like, I'd be like, oh, is he interested in me? Like, mm-hmm. does he like me? Or like, you know, um, so I get, I think it just depends. Like, you know. Wow. Yeah, no, that's good. I, and the, the, I want to go a little deeper with that too. Cause you, you mentioned that you guys are in the same race, but let's talk that and, and race is in a, like a foot race, Yeah. but let's talk mm-hmm. about race, ethnicity, yes, yes. you know, all that stuff. Like, what what is do you feel is harder for you being a person of color um mm-hmm. versus anybody else or or people of color in general because i know i feel the same way as a male being being puerto rican you know what i mean and i have mm-hmm. those things all the time where i'm like oh man well i'm not i'm not that viking tall you know blue-eyed whatever that every girl thinks they want you know mm-hmm. what i'm saying but how is it for you being being a, a black female Woo, yeah this i mean these are great questions dude you've got to say that but um <laughs> i so this is just okay i don't even know where to start with this one but in our society in american culture and hopefully we can all agree on this but mm-hmm. maybe not we might disagree beauty the beauty standard historically mm has been white women yes (laughs) so start there um so and again in society culture a lot of families or women raise their daughters to be desired Mm. like by society be desired by men um so just that being the foundational basis of our society 
and then putting myself in that society, being raised in that society, mm. everything, if, if that's the norm, then to society standards, I'm abnormal. Wow. So everything I am, whether it be my skin tone, whether it be my hair, whether it be my dialect, whether it be the curve of my body, mm. like everything is counter to the norm. Mm-hmm. People want to be like, if you want to be normal, what do you do? Try to convert your body to what's norm. Wow. Now, of course, as we progress, like the Kardashian vibe <laughs> has been more normal, mm-hmm. but normalized. But I, I just think walking around as a black woman and also just like again like in some scenarios and in some black women circles i'll just give you a little peek into there yeah please. it feels like we're the bottom of the totem pole wow. when it comes to being desired in like a romantic way mm-hmm. um and and it, even if it, it's in the percentage of how many black women get married and of course this number is definitely changing as like the culture is shifting and black culture is like we're presenting black women as desirable as mothers as Mm. beautiful but historically black women have been looked at as sex objects and all of this other stuff and so like this is a lot of history there and Mm -hmm. so being my race um and happily being my race it's Mm. just having to walk in my skin and even Hair-wise, professionalism, like hair-wise, everything is just like counter to the norm. And just being able to be courageous and be like, not only, I don't even care that it's counter, but I'm going to love it. That's even a bigger statement, Mm -hmm. too. So there's a lot of like Black women and myself in general who we've had to just learn how to love ourselves over the years. Yeah, I was going to ask because, man, like, you know, until you really talk about these things, I feel like these are those types of things that people try to keep out of sight, out of mind. You know, you don't think about it. You don't need to feel about it. But even as a male, like hearing you say that, like it it, it breaks my heart because I think about what it does to somebody mentally. Like, you know, I think about myself and all the things that like, man, I got to be better this way. I got to do this. I got to do that. My hair this way that, you know what I mean? And that's where all these problems of self-doubt, self-image, you know, all that stuff arise. How do you, how do you just, and I know you can't speak for every, everybody, you know, every other female in general, or just because I know for girls, that's a big thing. Um, But for a black female, for yourself, how do you compose that mentally? How do you? How do you stay strong mentally with all, with all of yeah. that on top of everything else in this world that we, you know, <laughs> that you have to encounter on a daily, just, just being a human. Yeah. Um, I, I think I don't always compose it well. Mm-hmm. And that's the hard reality is that like, there's been a lot of times, especially the spaces just that I've been in, whether it is at church, our churches has a it's predominantly white Mm -hmm. um and being at a school that's predominantly white and just like so no and and even in my work that I do like even just like a couple weeks ago I had a moment where I felt rejected because of the way I looked or people like assuming that I may be janitorial staff or like that I'm not the position that I'm in um 
because of the way I look or what whether I'm too young or not. So I mm. don't compose it well all the time. Mm. I don't. Um, and that's just, again, a hard reality because it's just like, of course, like as our community progresses and we're, we encourage one another in the black community. Um, but it's, this is why people fight so hard against injustice because it's severely, it's a struggle. It's mm-hmm. a struggle to not feel like, you know the best but I think it's just reminding myself daily finding things that make me love myself um is the best that I can do encouraging other people who look like me that like it's beautiful and whether that's like posting some hearts under somebody Mm -hmm. or fire or some fire emojis like yes girl (laughs) like um but just like I guess encouraging people and just embracing that it is beautiful and, and being able to like not even just say it's beautiful, but identify what's beautiful about it, whether it's my curls or the color of my skin or the range of the colors that are in mm-hmm. the black community, just finding being specific about what I love and, and always trying to, you know, and it's also representation matters. And so being able to go in different spaces and represent that too is good. Mm-hmm. And that's, I think, you know, what is so important about your leadership too, is that yeah. your, your leadership stands for, for something bigger, you know, it's, yeah. it, you're not just in a role of, of leading in church. You're, you're in a role of leading, of leading black women. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and it's more like when I think about the things that I do like at church that require me to be more like visible, mm-hmm. um, I don't do that because I'm trying to build my IG followers. Yeah, yeah. I do that because I want people in our community, and I was just having this conversation before this call with someone, to feel like they belong. Yeah. And how does someone feel like they belong when they can see themselves in a place? How do mm-hmm. they see themselves when other people who look like them in wow. that place mm-hmm. stand up and be out there to be visible? Mm-hmm. So that's why... I do it. It's for them to feel like the way that they speak, the way that they look is it's welcomed here. Not only is it welcomed here, we're so excited. We want you to come and be celebrated Mm -hmm. here. And so that takes that's countercultural sometimes. And sometimes it's not like, it's not easy to be the first person to do Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. or like, or in, in any space, I'm not just talking about at church, but in any space, sometimes, we all will always might have to be the first person to do something. Yeah. Um, and, and sometimes that's scary. But like, when I think about the people who will be like, Oh, if you can do it, I can do it. And mm. I'm like, exactly. And that's why I did it. So and, you can feel that. Yeah, mm. and, and do like, it, do you know, I'm not the smartest, the sharpest pencil in the, the case or whatever they say, but like, I, you're, if I you're inquisitive. It, you're just not acquisitive. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm dead. And I sure didn't know what that was. Um, None of us. I, I, know, I was stuck. Um, but, <laughs> but no, I, I think that's why I I definitely embrace leadership um, a little bit more. And even on Trinity's campus, mm-hmm. like if we go back to the beginning of this interview, like we knew that people needed to see people of color. Not just people of color need to see people of color. Um, people in the majority needed mm-hmm. to have a good view because some of them people coming on our school's campus 
literally were like, well, I thought just like every black person was poor. And I'm like, mm-hmm. see, you're just misinformed in general mm-hmm. about people of color. And although it's so annoying to have to always be someone who educates, people yeah. need it. Wow. It's a role that is needed in order to make this society better. Mm-hmm. So I'm happily okay, cool with doing that, you know? Yeah. Definitely. And I love what you said about it might not always be going with the culture, but that's what, you know, we're kind of called as the church to do is go is go against culture. And, you know, this is this is a way that we are are shifting the culture now. And I love Mm -hmm. that that one of the ways that you're doing that is in the church in a place that like has has been um, has been separated in that way for a lot of our history. And um Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're stepping in that gap, and mm-hmm. that is so important. Yeah, yeah, I love our church. It's, it's mm-hmm. some good people in there. Definitely, good, good. definitely. Mm-hmm. And then Noel, like, tell us a little bit too. Like, you know, when you do have these friendships, you know, back back to more of the friendship part, and um, you know, just being a black female. How do you invite? other girls you know because like we said there's these stigmas around people thinking that you know they they might come and look at me and say and and look at me and see that i'm spanish or i'm you know i look you know hispanic or anything and automatically think oh well you know he's from mexico or this or that you know what i'm saying so Mm -hmm. i'm assuming that some people might feel like oh like you know is she gonna like talk to this white girl or any other thing you know what i'm saying like how do you invite people in in that way to know like hey like that shouldn't even be a question like if we're humans and we're and we're in relationship and we have that you know friend whatever like i want to be your friend like and it doesn't have to do with being the same color yeah yeah i think well there's two things that i think about one like i'm super grateful for my friends that i have now who are super diverse mm. in terms of background racially like diverse and I'm trying to think I'm like oh how did they get that way but I think it's, <laughs> it was about me not being prejudging them just mm-hmm. as much as I didn't want to be prejudged because wow. the same way that like especially when it comes to like white women and I'm sorry Catherine but sometimes you okay. think they they ain't gonna be cool with me like they're mm. not they're, I don't think I have anything in common with them mm-hmm. like what, what are you going to talk about um but once like once I had to be humble myself and be like actually like like you said Gigi like you can really find something similar with everyone mm-hmm. race is a part of our identity yeah. my, my full identity is being a believer in Christ and and I and I'm also an African-American but I'm just mm-hmm. like Race is a part of that, but there are there is a humanitarian, like a hum, human level mm-hmm. that like connect with one another, uh, one another on, and we keep, can always find something with everybody to find in common. Whether if it, it's just like yeah, we all get stomach aches, or we all you know you can find something. Yeah, yeah. So I think one, I'm not going to. One thing I won't do is change myself. Like if people are intimidated to talk to me, then I can't change that. Like because yeah. I'm not going to be. Like, you know, kiss your butt, but (laughs) I'm definitely going to show myself, which the Bible talks about this as well. Show yourself to be friendly Mm. um, and show yourself to be open. And whether that's with a smile or also doing different things that may, I may have never done before just to meet new people. Um, I think that's how I can open myself is just like, and also just diversifying like my interests. 
Yeah. Again, like not just to meet people, but in general, like going to a Mexican history museum, like mm-hmm. in Pilsen. I ain't yeah. got nothing to do with my culture, but my I have friends who are in that community and just learning more about that or being open to doing things that are not necessarily within my racial community, but something that I'm just interested in. So I think the more you know, the more you expand your mind and your mm. interest, the more people you can connect with. That's good. So. Mm. That's real good. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then when we talk about, and, and as you learned all this, and obviously you're still learning, we're all still learning in, in a lot of different yeah. ways in our lives. What is that true north for you? What is that What is that thing that you hold on to and say, man, like, you know, we, today today was a good day with this, uh, we, you know, with the job or, or with my relationship with, with my other female friend or whatever yeah. it is. What, is. what are those truths you hold on to? Mm, that's a really good question. Um, I think my truth is, like you said, um, I'm I'm still learning who I'm called to be, mm. like, and what I'm called to do. And so, like, I'm I'm learning who God created me to be as each day goes by. So I guess it's a it's a true north of mindfulness a true north of like forgiving myself and also true north of like just the complexity of like human beings in general. So I guess in my motto and what I kind of move forward with is like change is inevitable. Like people changing myself changing is inevitable, but just remember to like who you become, remember to love who you become. Um, And so just taking those lessons from the past and moving forward and having better female friendships and having a better relationship with God and and having a a better emotional maturity, I guess that's my thing. It's just like change is inevitable, but love who you become Mm -hmm. is something I'm thinking about. That's good. Mm -hmm. That's real good. Mm And then we usually say, we usually ask for a couple words of affirmation. I don't know if it would be the same thing, but that you just said, but for, you know, other females out there that Mm -hmm. any, any race, any, you know, job description, anything, any, any part of your story that they could take away from that they feel like, man, that's me. Like that is me right now. That was me back then. Wow. This is probably why I'm like this now. What words Mm -hmm. of affirmation would you leave that, that? person oh man um I would say just take a moment to just breathe for a minute and remember remember what you've gone through which a lot of people say this Mm -hmm. but just even if it's taking the moment to like reflect on your memories and being like wow I've grown like there's Mm -hmm. so many things to just praise God for and just be thankful that you can grow you can change. Yeah. You can go back. You can apologize and move forward. You can heal from something. Like there, there's always an, another opportunity to start over again. Some things, some friendships, you may never address again in your life. Mm-hmm. But what you can do is take that lesson and move forward. Mm-hmm. What you can do is take that that experience and being like, oh, I may not have the same experience again where I can fix it, but I'll have another one wow. that I can do something different in the future. I can apologize quicker. I can mm. be a slower to get angry mm. and quicker to listen. You know, like mm. I think it's just a lot of things where 
nothing has to be set in stone if you don't want it to be yeah. like there's an, always an opportunity to be different as you every day you wake up and it's a new day it's always an opportunity to be different and if people embrace that or not that's cool but you know that the change is real mm. and so just moving forward in that wow mm, i love that that's awesome you know, well, thank you so much. This was, I mean, we could talk all day. I know, I feel like this went by so fast. <laughs> I know, but I think thank that this, so much, yeah, le- leading off of this, though, I think that in the future, let's do, let's have another conversation around these yeah. things because I feel like you have mm-hmm. been such a, a spokeswoman of sorts, not just for the race part, not just for the female part or just the leadership, but you've just been somebody that man, like you, you, you just, you walk it. it. Yeah. You walk it. You exude, you exude that from you. I mean, I was intimidated by you when I first met you, not because of the race, not because of female, not because anything, just because you had that look like you were ready to get stuff done and you were kind of sizing me up like, Hey, if I'm talking to you, you gotta be, you gotta be somebody ready to walk with me. So, (laughs) Um, so I, and the funny thing is like how I just talked about like moving forward I and I don't tell this story often Mm. but when I left high school I had like a 2.3 GPA and I applied to like two colleges and did not even know if I was going to get into them because my GPA was so low and so when I got to Trinity that was an opportunity for me to start over Mm. and for me to become somebody um somebody better somebody more focused somebody more active in you know things that were going to make me a better student and trying to stay away from the drama and be more productive and be more you know so I don't really tell that I'm like yeah 2.3 my parents and I were crossing our fingers (laughs) we're like is she gonna get in like and as you know you've done admissions Suji, so you already know that that's like not the best gpa to Shoot, come in you, but, think, you think i came in unconditional i had i yeah i got my chance too because i i was at a 2.8 going in yeah. and i was on and I, as a transfer I, w- I was put on conditional acceptance but look where we are now look where we are now look what we've done master's hey. degrees baby we're, we're doing it we student <laughs> right. government multicultural club presidents you can't yes, take that away right. from us that, no they cannot and that's what i'm saying we are living proof mm. you are living proof Catherine is living proof we are living proof that you can start over mm. you can do it again you can try again and you can be a new person god gives Man. us that opportunity through redemption and but but the thing you have to think about is like remember that Remember that you started from somewhere and not to be like, oh, what was me? But it's just like God is getting the glory every day out of your story. Like God is really like, I can do this. I can change you. And some of this comes with maturity, but some of it comes with a willingness to be open to what the Holy Spirit like wants to do. And so I was like, yeah, I'm super grateful. So thanks for saying that. But I'm just like, it was an opportunity for me to be like, God, what's up? Like, let's. (laughs) help me because i need to be better yeah. you know that's so good man i i love you and i appreciate I you, love you I love <laughs> you're you're so you're I'm such a yeah you yeah you're okay. such a good good role model for everybody in general no matter what um keep doing what you're doing but thank you so much for giving us your time but also like allowing yourself to be vulnerable that's that's what we appreciate so much mm-hmm. Thanks, y'all. I really, really appreciate this opportunity. I'm so glad you guys are doing this podcast. It's really Thank touching you. 
a lot of people. So stay strong. You got this.